welcome to episode 22 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things that we think can relate to you and your one and only life. And my name is Sarah, and I'm joined as always by my co-host and our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hope everybody out there is doing fantastic. That's good. You got like your tagline. Um, is that what I said you, last time? I don't know. Does it but become I, a tagline? Like That's going to be it. I'm, I'm grabbing proud it. Of That's it. right. Good job. Have a fantastic life. It's yeah. my theme. It only took 22 <laughs> episodes. 22 episodes. <laughs> it's all been a trial up until now. Right. So yeah. Now we have the guests to start the real podcast, right? Mm. No, yeah. Um, today we are joined by um, two members of Community One, and we're excited to learn more about Community One and also learn more about um, Eric Cummings and Austin Maxheimer. Um, we've had Austin on before, and you guys know a little bit about Austin, but we want to make sure we take some time first um, just to get to know you guys before we start talking about Community One specifically. So Austin, I'm actually going to have you give a little bit of a, a background of who you are and kind of your role at Community One. All right. Well, I think I can make this quick because I have uh, been here before, but my role at Community One is Neighborhood Revitalization Director. And I guess what I would like to share this time <laughs> is that uh, that work started through One Life Church. Uh, my first step into the neighborhood, a neighborhood with the eyes of an assets-based community development uh, approach that God then used to lead me to this moment and serving through and with Community One uh, was door knocking in the East End in Henderson. Mm. And so um, One Life has always had a legacy of engaging in neighborhoods, and I've been always personally energized by that, so it's a real gift to be able to do that uh, as a vocation uh, in my everyday life. And so uh, big thanks to Eric and Community One for that opportunity. Awesome. That's cool. And Eric, tell us a little bit about your role at Community One, but also just about you in general. Sure. <clears throat> I'm the executive director at Community One. We launched out of a local church in 2013, and I served in that church for about 12 years, uh, most recently as their community outreach pastor. And that's really where I think the inspiration and, and just the, the passion and the heart for wanting to engage deeply into the neighborhoods of our community came from. Uh, so uh, that's how Community One started and how we got to this place today. And the organization's changed a lot over the years. Uh, it's great to have Austin and others on the team now really, you know, making a push into some of the most marginalized places in our city. Awesome. And then, you know, so we definitely want to learn more about um, Community One. Like if someone's never heard of Community One, if they said, oh, I've never heard that before, how would you describe what Community, is, what community One is and, and what you do? That's a that's a, that's a great question. <laughs> Something I should be able to do as a director is do that very quickly, right? We kind of uh, took that for granted. Yeah, yeah right. we asked you yeah, here today. <laughs> I think uh, really Community One serves different populations in different ways. I think originally our heart was to grow to be a mobilization organization for the church and for Christ followers, helping uh, people who are equipped and commanded to go in love to find the people who need that love mm -hmm. and to make those connections to one another. So helping the church mobilize, helping people of faith. And then the other side, those marginalized people, people in our community who need genuinely need help. And uh, those that have been kind of left by the side of the road, those that are experiencing poverty, those that uh, are living in situations that are very difficult. How do we bring these two populations of people together uh, to build God's kingdom, to love our neighbors as ourselves and to make a difference? So those are really, uh, you know, you get to the core of what Community One is. It's really just this platform for bringing those two groups of people together. Mm. 
Excellent. Uh, now, a couple follow-up things I'd like to ask is, uh, one, I'll give you a little bit of a head start, is concrete example here in a moment. But I would like to kind of take back, you, you'd said that you were the community outreach pastor at a church, and then you decided to do this thing called Community One, and I'm very interested in where that came from. Like, what's the history of that in your own head? Because the thing had to start as just a picture in your head. I want to do something that bring these, uh, brings these two groups together. What was that? Can you kind of enlighten us on that? Yeah, I think there were two parallel two parallel things happened. The first was when I landed in that role uh, during a leadership changeup. Uh, I really didn't know how to approach that. Matter of fact, it was a role I didn't know if I even really wanted because I didn't know what to do with it. But given permission to kind of clean sheet, start over, really go back to scripture and ask the questions: What are we supposed to be doing as God's church in our community, and how are we supposed to be impacting the lives of people who need us? And so through that process, over the period of a few years, we built new educational programs, implemented van tours in the city, started building out our partnerships and realigning partnerships for impact. And then we stepped into a parallel process that was going on was the Glenwood Neighborhood Mm -hmm. Redevelopment Initiative, which was happening in the Glenwood neighborhood. And we felt that even though we had great partnerships and great connectivity to what was happening through our partners in the city, we were really missing this life-on-life connection between our people, our church, the Christ followers that we were engaged with, and people directly in the places where they lived in neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, there's a lot of great partners doing things that bring, you know, bring constituents to their buildings or bring them into services. But there were very few people that were kind of focused on mobilizing people to the places where people live, their most intimate space, into their homes, into their mm-hmm. very neighborhoods. And we saw how through neighborhood revitalization, we could start to connect our people to the lives of people who were far, not only far from God, but had great needs as well. And so as we begin to see that, that's where this idea of how do we engage a local school? How do we engage in very big issues like housing and other things where there aren't resources and people, but yet the church could uh, at its best make a huge difference in those, those areas. So this idea of figuring out how to do this mobilization, that's where the seed of this began. And over time, as we learned more and participated more, what we really started to realize was, you know, this is really great to invest in mobilizing and getting our church connected to the community, but all churches should have the resources and opportunities and help in mobilizing into these populations as well. So this idea came to, why don't, why don't we just kind of create this other entity, set it out aside from the church, and then let it be a platform for all churches and all Christians, people of faith, and then even to the extent anybody who wanted to make a difference in our community could take advantage of this nonprofit Christian organization that would help them mobilize. And that's how Community One was born. The, the, the fact that I ended up going out the door with it wasn't planned originally. Uh, we kind of we got to one place in the development. and it's had really a great, tempting to explore that comment. Yeah, uh, know, right? That probably gets in a territory. They invited me to leave it? with it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hey, you've got this thing. Yeah. Just go with it. Go, but go. we had a terrific team, and, and we had uh, just a really great board that was all internal. A lot of things happening inside of the church. But we decided it's time to kind of send this thing out. Right. We realized we needed a leader. And I think God has equipped me through my own life and, and, and business and ministry things up to that point where I really felt that it would be appropriate and a good, and it was really the calling that God was asking me to kind of go with this thing. And so I threw my name in the hat, long story short, I went with it. And so Community One was launched in 2013 as this mobilization platform to help not only our church, but all churches and mm-hmm. anybody who wanted to be engaged in, in this type of city building work. Uh, to do it in, in through Community One. Now, the, the other part of the question was like it, when 
as you've gone through and you put it together, like every mo- you, you come to this place as a, as a leader, if you had a picture in your head, you had a vision for something, but then every now and then you'll get a, a, an occasion or an event or an experience that says, we're doing what I pictured doing. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of those, but mm-hmm. is something stand out where we say, this is us in our zone? I, I think that's just, I mean, I, I, there are many, so many. I mean, it, it, it could be as simple as watching somebody coach a simple project to help somebody with a simple home repair, pray with that person, just experience this moment of, wow, this person needed help and I helped them um, because I love Jesus and it just made a difference in their life. You know, people walk away from that experience feeling loved right. if they're the recipient of that. And then on the other side of that, you know, people walk away from that saying, God has used who I am as a person to love somebody else. I think that in the simplest form is the most, you know, just the most wonderful thing that you can experience is having, watching somebody connect to that part of their faith in, in that way. And that's wonderful. But we've had some, we hundreds of repair projects, whole house rehabs, neighborhood revitalization. There's, it's many, many stories that have happened that God has done, you know, through the organization over the years. But at its core, it's just, how are we loving our neighbors as, as God's people? And here's the easy, a very easy way to do that. So if I, I, oh, so I was going to share a, yeah. a specific Absolutely. story of one that I had the opportunity uh, to be involved in when I was on staff at One Life. So um, there's this picture of a, of a, uh, a project early that happened early on at a, at a home repair project. And it was an intensive project. Um, and, and it's a very interesting picture because you can see this house uh, there was an old, I believe a widow, uh, was it an actual widow, uh, the White House. It's, many churches came together to serve in this project, uh, including One Life West. We mobilized some people, uh, and your cousin or nephew, Mike DeVoy, uh, served on that. Cousin. Uh, cousin, uh, <laughs> cousin served on that project. And it was this neat picture of there's a, a lady in our community that, that had a need, a physical and financial hardship, could not take care of it of herself, a widow. This was like the person of need in the Bible coming clearly out of Scripture. Um, and all these churches, four or five different churches, came over the course of several weeks to serve and love uh, a tangible expression of restoration on this lady's house. And in the shadow of that picture is a church, is a church building right next to it. And so it's a beautiful uh, image for me to see this kind of unity and, and church yeah. partnership and collab- collaboration and mobilization of God's people to make city transformation impact right in the shadow of a, a church building that honestly probably should have taken care of it themselves. <laughs> but a perfect example of why yeah, Community sure. One yeah. exists. Yeah, but just locking down kind of the picture that if, if you're uh, listening and you're like, I've never even heard of this place, I don't know what they do, it really is. If I'm out there and I really do want to, maybe I'm able to build things or fix things for people or I really do want to serve someone who's widowed, that I can give you guys a call, basically, mm-hmm. and you can match me up with an actual need instead of me just kind of trying to find that out there on my own. Is that... Yeah, simple I, way to say it. That's and that's yeah. where we really right. started was these very simple home repair projects. That was identifying people who had a genuine need. They own and live in their home and have a, a project that they need done that they either can't afford or they can't do. And uh, we collect that information. We post it on our website. We train coaches. We call them project coaches from mm-hmm. local churches. A little bit of training they come through, how to use the technology, and then how to love people. And uh, then we empower them and send them out, and they can go create their own teams, find their own resources and go out and just love people on their own. They don't, they don't need us in the, in the formula once we've kind of connected them to the process right. and uh, something, something as simple as installing, you know, grab bar in a senior citizen's tub or 
something more complicated like we you know pull teams and contractors together to do roofs for people or things like that as well so okay. it could be as Got little it. or very small or very large right. large one thing i've heard both of you guys say and i, I guess this would be a question because you both have been in ministries in different ways in in the past um but you said it and you both said actually that multiple churches coming alongside and being involved in one project, do you find that it's it's been easier through Community One to make that happen rather than it was trying to do a project through one church and getting other churches to kind of come alongside? I, I think it has been. And I think that was one of the, I think that's one of the reasons that this project kind of guided itself outside the walls of our, our church in particular yeah. was that, uh, I know this may come as a shock, but sometimes churches are a little territorial yeah. and uh, they protect their ideas. I know that's, that's shocking <laughs> to believe. Um, but, uh, you know, creating a neutral platform, a place where right. people from any church, from any kind of context could come and work together without the baggage of yep. those kind of things has really, I think, created a, a really good way for churches and people of faith, regardless of of, 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 of um, you know, what church they go to, to be able to be a part of it. Yeah. I would say that's something I never thought of. It makes complete sense. You know, so if I'm learning something about community one, that's probably a big one. Um, and I did go to, to your website and I have it pulled up and there's a place that says get involved and they, you can look through some of those things. You talked about uh, project coaches. There's a lot of different uh, opportunities on there, but that's community one, the number one.org. Um, and there's get involved is on that page right there. But so as you're going along doing your mission, and uh, started a few years back, at some point you felt the need to hire Austin <laughs> away from One Life. Incidentally, I'm just going to bring that up. Uh, but uh, but but that was an expansive move. Uh, you know, we want to grow in this area. But you mentioned what your title was, but uh, that was that went beyond you know repair projects. My understanding is, mm -hmm. and so describe that. What what yeah. was. Uh, what was up with you coming on and what do you do and what what kind of initiatives were you guys wanting to get into? I think the inspiration for that lies in the early days, you know, of the just the genesis of Community One, which is understanding the power of of kind of collaborative neighborhood revitalization work. Um, we, we do these home repair projects like I described. We do whole house rehabs where we acquire vacant homes, gut them, and then use contractors and volunteers to put them back together and sell them as affordable, safe, decent housing in, in neighborhoods. But the, the next logical progression would be what are some of the other areas in neighborhoods that have needs that aren't being addressed as well? And we know that, uh, you know, historically and statistically, that uh, asset-based community development or working systemically on many issues at once is a way that you can bring change uh, to a community. So uh, we had kind of our roots in neighborhood revitalization. Uh, we had relationships in several neighborhoods, and we got back to a situation where it looked like we were moving back and that was growing again, and we just found ourselves in need of somebody with expertise and capacity and a, and a passion for neighborhoods and people. And Austin had worked in the East End of Henderson, had worked in Jacobsville, had experience in neighborhoods. And uh, I've known him almost since the beginning of Community One, just as through One Life, just kind of weaving in and out of the project work. And when we had this opportunity, he was the first guy that came to mind. And matter of fact, Austin worked with us on some of our early listening sessions in the neighborhood we're currently working. And as a volunteer, he volunteered his time to do that. So when the opportunity uh, arose, he was the first phone call I made. Yeah, there was this... Uh Early, there's this early picture, uh, I think it's 2011 or 12, uh, where I just found recently on our Engage Henderson uh, site. And it's, I'm wearing a Community One shirt standing behind a Community One table in the east end of Henderson. And so there was always this connection with Community One of uh, a heart similar that Eric and I have of, of seeing the people of God mobilized into the mission of God and making real 
transformative, uh, deep impact. And, and so when, uh, when, uh, when I was on staff at community one, I always saw, or at one life, I always saw community one as a vehicle for our small groups as a way to go from the couch to the community and, uh, to impact life, life on nice. life, uh, deliverance of the good news of Jesus. And so we, we have always had that connection. Um, but when it was time to move into neighborhoods, uh, when they, when it kind of clicked into place for Eric of how it all fit together with one home, one block and one neighborhood at a time, uh, it was really, that's when the opportunity for, to come in and do that full time, uh, and, and to devote full time energy into that was exciting. Cause I don't know anything about construction, uh, like with you at our, Brett was at our construction sites at one life. I got, the br- I got the broom, <laughs> I got the broom, I got the broom. Always gotta have a broom guy. Yeah, so, it's, it's me. <laughs> so I don't know anything about that, but the idea of seeing people in disinvested neighborhoods, not as people of need, but people of infinite worth and inherent dignity. Uh, that's kind of the stuff. And then drawing that out of them and helping to ro- reorient their lives by holistically restoring them um, and having their identity change as not people of in that neighborhood, but as that we can be change makers and then helping expand their networking and resourcing that is just where it's at for me. And, and so it was a great opportunity to step into that work. And we've been doing it in Teepee Park neighborhoods specifically uh, for the last about 18 yeah, months. Yeah, there's some things I don't want to take for granted again, as, as some people who are listening to this may never even heard of these things or what you mm-hmm. guys do, or uh, even when you say neighborhood development and, and, and all those things, kind of paint a, a simple picture of, okay, you're in Teepee Park. And what that process looked like, and the kinds of things you do, in kind of big block uh, summary form, so somebody would go, oh, "Okay, that's really cool. That's, that's going on." Yeah, so it can get very uh, intensive uh, in explanation. So to simplify <laughs> it down, uh, easiest way is is language actually that's been in uh, part of engage in one life from the very beginning, and it's just listen, align, act, measure, and then repeat, and just put that on a loop. And do it until the quality of life of people in disinvested or, or, or under-resourced neighborhoods until that begins to change. And it's about activating the people that live there to be the change makers themselves. Uh, there's a great quote that I use all the time um, uh, found in when I was doing my um, research for, for the dissertation. And it said, uh, if, if, if change is done to you, you experience it as violence. But if you are the agent of change, you experience it as liberation. So this idea that if, if change is happening to you, you it, it just feels like someone's doing it to you and you almost feel helpless. Whereas right. if you're the one who's making the change in your neighborhood, in your area, you'll see yourself, uh, you'll see that as freedom. And, and I really think that's an important principle. But this idea of listen, align, act, uh, we want to go in and listen to neighbors, uh, value them as human beings, believe that they're the experts in the communities that they leave, right. that live in, come in as a posture, as a learner. Uh, but then we need to align between best practices and all the things that are out there and networks and resources and services that are in our community, align those so that we're making real impact in people's lives. And then we move towards action. And there's a tendency in the church world to act first. We see a need, we act. Right. And that's a good impulse. That's because we desire to share Christ's love with the world, uh, but we don't realize that sometimes we can do damage to people through that process. And so acting comes at the end, after we've listened, after we've aligned, then we can move towards action. And then the important part of measurement that brings accountability. Uh, and then and then you just keep repeating the process as long as you're needed and invited into that work. Right. Well, 
Well said. Yeah, it's a lot of detail, but you said it well. Well, we didn't even get into the detail. Okay, we didn't get it. But we got our quote. I can't say it, that Liberty one, uh, that that, that experience of violence. We got to go back and listen to that one. I like that one. Grab that. Yeah, I stole it off someone. We're going to put that on Twitter. That's good. And so, you know, the kind of the main one of the main takeaways there is that it's not just going in and doing something for people by any means mm-hmm. is what you're doing community one you're going in and i love listening is and i've seen you guys doing some facebook lives just at ntp park just doing like a hey here's this neighborhood meeting and you're sitting yeah. there you're part of the conversation and that seems to be really the first step and just kind of getting to know what's going on like you if you don't know these people you don't know their stories how can you get in there to help them help themselves right yeah that's exactly right now, as you uh, as you've done this kind of work, uh, what are some of the things that you wish everybody in Evansville knew? As we talk about building a great city, and first of all, I want everybody to know that it's happening. Most mm-hmm. people don't know that part, uh, but what are some of the things that you've observed, you've experienced, that you've learned along the way that you think, man, I wish everybody kind of knew this about whether it's under resourced neighborhoods or those who are struggling in those things. Um, I'll take a shot. I'll, I'll do. There's, I think there's quite a few, but one I would I would say is uh, understanding posture. And that kind of goes along with this idea how we view engaging uh, people uh, as the church. You know, we, we, we make a lot of investment in our global missions community in the way that we engage people in, in other countries. We don't just get on a jet and fly over and step off and say, hey, be like us. You know, we do formation and we learn about culture and language and history and, and all of these things. And we go respectfully to places bearing the gospel, but also bearing the presence and work of Christ. Um, so why should it be different in our own community? You know, the posture of engaging people is not that we know what's right and we've been called to make them like us. Jesus doesn't call us to make people middle class, you know, kind of suburbanites. <laughs> Jesus calls us to bring the good news of the gospel and to love people uh, as we love ourselves and to let him do uh, what he will do through, through that work. So we need to be willing to learn about culture. We need to be able to listen to people. We need to be able to um, have a posture of humility when we go to different places if we really truly want to, to create and sustain long-term relationships that will result not only in friendships and relationship, but also hopefully in change in time and most importantly the change that Christ brings uh, through the presence of his people in different places. So I think posture is really important in making the parallel between, you know, we live in different cultures even if we live close to, close to each other, so let's observe those same things. And you guys talked about TP Park is the neighborhood you're focused on currently. Where's that at? If you're explaining that to people. It's uh, in what you maybe has traditionally been called the south sector or south side of Evansville. So it's um, uh, we've been uh, referring to it as the center city. So it's, a, it's this collection of neighborhoods uh, that you may have uh, heard about. Uh, Goose Town, TP Park, Aiken Park, Baird Park, Culver, Glenwood, uh, that kind of sits in between downtown 41, the Lloyd, and then the south, yeah. you know, running out of the city. <laughs> this collection of neighborhoods, TP Park sits in the very center of those neighborhoods. And, and it, it's, it's a common story of, of what we say is disinvested neighborhoods. So as, as, uh, suburban sprawl happened. Uh, people with means and resources moved to other areas of the town. The outskirts of town as automobile travel became easier to, uh, to utilize, uh, and you could, uh, commute in and out of work a lot easier. 
uh, this idea of, of neighborhoods and you, you know your neighbor and you bike to work and you walk to the grocery store. We kind of lost that uh, went at, through uh, suburban sprawl. And so what happens is all the investment went out to the edges of our cities. And uh, these neighborhoods that were kind of remained, the housing, the existing housing stock, the public schools, uh, the infrastructure of sidewalks and all this stuff, <laughs> that's what, when we say disinvested, that's what we mean. They, they were not invested into because all the investment was going into these outlying regions. And so it was just natural, natural um, crumbling, if you will, of, of all these things, if things aren't, I learned from owning my own home, if you're not actively investing in it, it's disinvesting really quickly. And so uh, that's just the similar idea uh, of neighborhoods. And so there's, this isn't a commentary on the people that live in these neighborhoods. It's not a commentary on on the, the, the space itself. It's just the reality of the situation. Uh, and so uh, TP Park kind of sits in the center of this disinvested area in our in our city. And as you've been working there, what have what have you learned? It's kind of one of those things you wish everybody would know, and you've you've kind of observed that this is this has been really good stuff, or or maybe this uh, I wish we could change this or something like that. I mean, is there? Yeah, it the number one is that it's it's I I have so much fun. It's just it's just fun working with people. Um, getting to know their stories, listening to them, entering into their space instead of asking them to come to ours. And so it's just a different uh, mentality. But the neighborhood work is, is a lot of fun. And the neighbors themselves are, they have the highest capacity imaginable. Um, they, they have j- just the same capacity that any one of us have. It's just the, the idea of expanding their network and, and resources. Um, so if you think about if I were to lose my job, uh, heaven forbid, uh, there would be a whole network of people that would support me, that would ha- help me make connections to job opportunities and, and supplement my resourcing and all this other thing. Well, this is just providing the same sort of uh, idea for people in disinvested areas. Their networks are different than ours, and this is expanding their uh, investment resources. And so then, the, and then the final thing is that, because I get the question all the time, what have you learned most about the neighborhood? And it's, I wish the church were present more. I wish that I could say in the last 18 months, that I'm just inundated with disciples of Jesus, missionaries for Jesus, and churches just wrapping around this neighborhood. But it's just not true. <laughs> and uh, the reality is, is that uh, I don't see in the everyday work in the neighborhood just a flooding of the light of Christ in there. And so I don't think it's um, anything to, to wag our finger at uh, tr- Christians and churches. It's more of just raising awareness and sharing the story and inviting people, as Jesus did, into their life. So as he went to the mini- about his ultimate mission and went uh, into the ministry to the marginalized, he invited his disciples into that process. And so I think it's just a combination of all those things. So that's a, a little bit anyways. There you I, go. I, I, could, go on, I could go on for another hour. <laughs> I don't doubt that one bit, but we can't in this format because, I mean, yeah. we could, but I'm not sure anybody would. Uh, yeah. Listen, that's right. Uh, Sarah would just kind of bring the hammer down Sarah. on that. Thing and then, I would. I might add one thing to yeah. that that we've learned about neighborhoods and people too, and that is just simply no matter who you are or where you are, everybody wants the same things. 
no matter where you live mm-hmm. or your socioeconomic yeah. status or anything else, everybody wants a decent home in a safe neighborhood. They want a school where their kids can get an education and succeed. You know, we all want the same things. And it's not it, it's no different from one neighborhood to another. And neighborhood revitalization is just this organized process of identifying those things and identifying assets to build on and, and things that they'd like to see changed and then helping them make connect connections and resources to make those changes. Mm-hmm. So it's really, we're all searching for the same things in the context of That's how good. we live and where we live. Yeah. And even a simple thing like that, it, it, you, you might assume, and I've learned that on the, on the, the global field, like in, in, in very, what some people could consider exotic countries, uh, you do learn that very thing. In, in the end, it's really not any different. The people are people and uh, they're, they're aching for that same stuff. So tearing down some of those barriers, though, it's something we, we can all stand to do. Well, these guys are going to be speaking at One Life. Uh, within uh, what are the dates again? I, I think uh, it's March third and March. I schedule 10th. it. I should know this. Uh, March, is that right? March third and tenth. It is correct. Yep, That's March third right. so, and March tenth. Uh, because one of the things we're trying to do is elevate that awareness, and so you can have that flood eventually, and more and more people can know and be aware. Because that's a lot of it. it's just tearing about down barriers of what people don't know or what they're kind of intimidated by or don't even know where to start. Uh, but so they're going to speaking to that, but, uh, they also have another idea that I want to make sure gets on the boards, uh, that Sarah, can you kind of flesh that out a little bit or Uh, maybe at least ask? Well, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so you guys are working on kind of an app type program and, and being able to kind of, anytime someone does certain things in the city, you have an acts of love counter. Can you guys tell us a little more about that? Acts of love counter. Yeah. Acts of love. I've actually seen it in action. Eric does this very, kind of makes the talks about this very well. So I'll let him do it. It was a result of my own like inner holy discontent. That was kind of, if I could say that, um, you know, um, when a lot of times at church, we, we like, we do count certain things, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it's pastors like to count things and that's good. We count things because we're searching for ways to determine if we're making a difference, if what the impact is or what the change is. But the things we count most frequently are, you know, how many people showed up and how much did they give? And those are about the only two metrics you see consistently from church to church. But this idea, we started getting to this, this, you know, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say about, you know, our mission is to love? So shouldn't we be trying to figure out how our church is loving its community and the world? What What are the things that we're doing outside of the walls of the church to love people? And so this idea of, you know, maybe in the bulletin we should put next to offering and attendance, we should put acts of love so that everybody in the church knows what kind of impact we're having in the world for Jesus. And so, but that's kind of a hard thing when you think of get your arms around it. How do you actually measure something like that? And, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of been, had the stiff arm on that a few times. It's like, well, that's not possible. We can't possibly do that. So I kind of carried that with us to Community One. And, and we wanted to try to figure out how to help churches at least, you know, the be all and end all isn't counting acts of love. The be all and end all is, crea- end all is creating disciples who go out in love. Um, but if we could help to create a, a movement of love and understand what's happening as a result of our church in the community, it might start to get some activity and some momentum around that idea. So we simply set out to make a web-based app, something you could access on your phone or your, or your iPad or, or computer, where if you're out in the community and you, you do something out of your love for Jesus to, as an expression of love for somebody else, you could simply open it up, type in what you did and hit send. And those would come together and your, your church leaders would be able to not know who you are, but they'd be able to see the things that are happening and actually count <laughs> over a period of time 
what's being done in the community as a result of the believers in a particular church. So we've got a, a piece of that up and running to prototype, and, and uh, you guys have invited us to come in and talk a little bit about that and actually pilot it here uh, with One Life with all three of your churches and uh, or three of the campuses. And uh, so we're looking forward to doing that. We'll start that on March 3rd, kind of doing a message on, it's kind of like Love Your Neighbor 2, because I know Ben Stewart was here a couple weeks ago, gave a great message on loving your neighbor. This might be taking that next step of what's the practical way to figure out how we start to... And Eric's going to count whether you did or not. It's It's, kind of like taking an offering after an offering sermon. It's pretty good. Go Go out and love. And so with hundreds of people at One Life, and we come back with four acts of love, that'll show that's... Then you'll know what your next sermon series is going to be about. (laughs) No, we really mean it. Go out and love and do uh, cool things. So if you're a podcast listener, that's the cool thing. You now know what's coming. We are going to go ahead and... uh, We heard the idea. I like to think of us as probably terminal... um, early adopters around here. So, uh, we want to, we want part of our role we want to do is be innovators in our community and on the, on the church side of life. And so, uh, hopefully it won't be disastrous uh, to count people's uh, okay, let's acts ag- of let's love. Acknowledge but, you, know, you guys are kind of putting it out there. All right. Exactly. Gonna, we yeah, are. That's like... right. We're putting it out there and you'll get to participate and you do an act. Now, the, uh, what counts? Uh, I mean, Seriously, I mean, because people are going to ask this. Yeah. I like to put myself in the, in the seat of the average person. Right. When you say active love, what do I get to put in there? If I give my wife like a little hug or if I have to go do something through Community One, I mean, what's what qualifies? So, yeah, I get two questions that are most common. Okay. The first is, well, what counts? The okay. second is, what did the other church do? Because everybody's so competitive. <laughs> oh, you know, I okay. hadn't thought of that What one. did the other guys do? Well, what's we know how Crossroads is doing. Well, is- uh, well they, they're not doing it right now, so <laughs> you guys... <laughs> Like I said, we're piloting with you guys. Of course, we've already won Um, by default. That's good. (laughs) We'll let you guys set the bar first. Uh, But no, so, uh, you know, what is an act of love? I think it's a good question. What is an act of love? What did Jesus say an act of love is? When he was asked about what that means, he told a story. He gave us the parable of the Good Samaritan, and he painted a picture of what love looks like. And from that parable, we we can determine many things are acts of love. And we're not going to say what is and what isn't. It's in the heart of the person who's doing something. If I think if you do something for someone else out of your heart and your love for Christ, then that's an act of love. Because it is, say, a cold, cup of cold water it's, yeah. that, you know, done in his name. If you're serving so at a local say, nonprofit, yeah. that's so an act of love If you're motivated by yeah. acting in Jesus' name. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Okay. I see and two I, things from uh, that. Like that one, I mean, obviously, I think you were showing me this at lunch the other day, and I was like, it's so amazing to be able to stand up and say, man, you know, I don't know, 50... 50 things happened here at our West Campus, you know, people that are involved in our West Campus in this last month. That's amazing. But be also being able to, if I'm pers- the person putting it in, thinking about, man, I want to share that. Like, I want that idea going on in my mind of thinking and being aware that that was an act of love. Because I think even your question is interesting because right. some people don't even think about what they're doing as being an act of love and they don't want to share that. So if it's anonymous, they get to still share that. And, and yeah, we think that. that that's one of the real benefits of this thing, if it could catch on, uh, uh, is that it reorients your everyday life towards the mission of God. Yeah. And so your everyday activities, it's just being an awareness of of that you are activated in every moment to be bears ambassadors uh, in the kingdom, as Brett has been saying. Uh, And so as we go about our, where we live, work and play, uh, we can share the love of Christ into all those uh, nooks and crannies of our life. In fact, we are the only ones that are sent into every one of those areas of our life because that's, we're the only ones having those experiences. Mm -hmm. And so we're literally the only ones that can, bring the love of Christ into all those areas. And so it's just kind of reorienting their everyday life to that. 
Well, I can't wait. I think it's going to take off. I really do. <laughs> so we do too. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to set it up when these guys are here, and then we'll at some point we'll uh, we'll kind of launch it out uh, towards the end of the series and see how we do in competing against all the local <laughs> churches. Yeah. We'll have bragging rights. We'll trash talk. It'll be yeah. amazing. Yeah. And there is a, there is a church unity yeah. thing to it. In all you know, I know this is joking, but in all seriousness, it, in the counter there's a a church side and a community side, and so as the church of Evansville, as God's church here yeah. in Evansville, we can see what all of our brothers and sisters from other congregations, how we're contributing together uh, to bring uh, the love of that Christ to our cool. city yeah. as we Absolutely. build a great city. That's yeah. right. That, uh, <laughs> that's where the music should swell, right? Yeah, there. we just end the podcast <laughs> right there. Um, but no, we are kind of coming to a time to, to kind of close up. Um, is there anything else that you guys, if you wanted people to know about Community One that you haven't got to say, I want to make sure you have an opportunity to say that before we kind of talk about how people can get connected? Um, you know, we, we, there's, there's no, uh, end to the opportunities that you can have to engage with us, uh, as, as your local partner in the community pursuing this. Uh, but also, uh, we, I want it to be s- as simple as we can. Um, and so we've been, what, what we've been talking about this acts of love counter and we're seeing this neighboring initiative or neighboring movement that we're trying to help partner with churches on at community one. It's as simple as neighbor, neighboring where you are. Mm-hmm. and neighboring where we're called and neighboring where you are is where you are, uh, where you live, work and play and neighboring where we're called is where we're called the people of God to the marginalized. That that's always been our identity as a people. So kind of, uh, use the, the Brett takeaway here. If you hear nothing else, it's that just begin to engage with us in neighboring, um, through the local church. And we will continue to be your partners in that and look forward to doing that. Yeah, I agree. Well said. And I, the only thing I would add is, you know, we um, we do offer these opportunities, which are very unique, I think, and that is just life on life stuff. We we work on site in neighborhoods where people live, and that idea of coming into in people's most kind of you know their most sacred space, their homes, is a very unique opportunity. Even pastors don't really get that invitation much anymore. But we have people that call us and say, "Will you come to my neighborhood? Will you come to my home? Will you be present where we are?" And help us. And I think that's very unique. And so if you're looking for ways to courageously step out of your comfort zone to stretch a little bit and go to places where God calls us uh, through his word and and through his work, uh, we're, we're right there in the neighborhoods working with people. Awesome. And again, the best way for people to get connected if they want to do get involved is the website. Is that correct? Through the website, uh, volunteer at communityone.org and uh, or through the website contact form. And yeah, we'll respond. And of course, social media. Social Courtney media. does a wonderful job uh, sharing our story with large communities. Yeah, so. you guys just posted a, a new video I saw last week. Yeah, the yeah. weatherman uh, yeah. Chris, did that for Chris us. Chris Weatherly, yeah. yeah. So that was awesome. Yeah, it looked really, it was very cool. I think one of the things that I was <laughs> interested the in. The actual weatherman. Yeah. I call him weatherman. Yeah. yeah. It <laughs> was really mind. cool, though, seeing Sorry. some of the, the information there in, in TB Park and seeing some of the homes. Like, oh, yeah, I know that area. Mm-hmm. You know, I know those giant houses that you're like, I wonder what, you know, there's stories from those houses that are interesting. So, yeah. Um, Brett, anything else to add before we kind of close up? Uh, just to just to keep tracking everybody because we're getting into this. One of the reasons that we've been doing the series is just to make everybody aware. Um, one of the main reasons make everybody aware of things like Community One and the things that are going on so you can engage with that because as we're, we're just trying to raise the value in your own heart, uh, beginning with your identity in Christ and then your love for the church and then your mission out in uh, building a great city. 
city. You know, that's what we're trying to make this as tangible as possible by the end. We'll be even be counting your acts of love. It doesn't get any more specific than that. It's going to be amazing. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, telling us more about Community One. And ultimately, just thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, it's I, I'm excited to learn more about all these amazing things going on in Evansville and in Henderson and our communities. But um, it's always fun to learn more about some of the how they got started and what the impact they're having. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.